This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. I want to close our meeting in a way that I hope you'll find to be appropriate in talking about the changing seasons of life. Every life experience is different. Not every individual will see every season. You don't have to go to many cemeteries at all. Probably one will do the trick. Before you go to a headstone and find the words gone too soon. We're going to talk about seasons and episodes in life as the years advance. And some of these are things that some people will never see. But they represent the typical human experience. And so we want to study about these different seasons of life as a review and a summary of what God expects of us in whatever age we find ourselves we find a passage that speaks of life's changing seasons in Ecclesiastes 3. Beginning at verse 1, to everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Solomon here showing us his wisdom shows us the shifting sands of life, <clears throat> the different seasons that we visit. Life's changing seasons can be categorized and typified by changing circumstances around us. Or they can be uh, categorized and summarized by the changing ages and the different duties that come with each age and station in life. And that will be the manner of our division this afternoon. We'll talk about childhood. We'll talk about accountability. We'll talk about the younger years. We'll talk about early adulthood. We'll talk about parenthood. We'll talk about the middle years. And finally, the senior years. The scriptures speak expressly to each of these different seasons of life. And the scriptures give instructions that are unique to these changing circumstances. And some of these circumstances are vastly different. And yet there is a curious sameness to the answers that God gives at every stage. Let's think about childhood. I'm talking about very early childhood, the age of innocence. 
The age Jesus was talking about in Matthew 19 and verse 14 when Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Heaven's kingdom is made up of those who've been cleansed of their sins, of those who are right before God. And Jesus says, this is the manner that characterizes the little ones. It's not that they never do anything objectionable. It's that God doesn't hold them accountable for whatever it is that they might do or not do because they don't know any better. God is persistent in his standard of justice in that he holds us accountable in accordance to our capabilities. And those who are so young at such a tender age, not fully understanding right from wrong, are living life under the watchful eye of a just and merciful God who sees the limitations of their capabilities and does not expect the same things from them that he expects from those who are older. But there is a duty for those that are so young. And that duty is well summarized in Ephesians 6 and verse 1 and 2 where the apostle Paul wrote the saints at Ephesus, Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise. Apparently recalling back to the promise made in the Ten Commandments where God told them as a nation, if your children will be obedient to the parents and honor the parents, you'll live long in the land where I'm putting you. You'll be a successful nation. Childhood obedience to parents and respect to their parents as they advance through life is a center post to the strength and longevity of a nation. That's what that original promise was about. Well, today, we as the church are the nation of God's people. His people is no longer a physical people defined by a particular biology or ethnicity or geography. Today, we are defined by the blood of Jesus. And that is a nationality that reaches and spans the entire scope of the globe wherever hearts come to Jesus and submit to his will. <clears throat> Scattered though we may be, Different languages, different backgrounds, and on we might describe the different uh, differences that exist between physical nationalities. We are all of one nation of God's people. And when we think of that promise made to a physical nation of God's people long ago, the Apostle Paul reminds us there's a kernel of truth in that for you and for me. If children will learn to obey their parents and honor them throughout their years, the spiritual nation of God's people, the church, will be a stronger kingdom, will be a longer-lasting kingdom. So though there's so much that God does not expect of little ones, for they do not know better, there is a central thing that he does expect. Learn to obey. It was explained to me this way. It's been long taught this way, and I think there's a lot of value in this observation. Children learn to be submissive and obedient to God, starting with their parents. Young people, your relationship with your parents defines a lesson you might as well learn now. You're going to encounter authority in life you have to submit to. And I understand. Sometimes that submission means they're asking you to do things you really don't want to do. 
my brother and I, the one that's closer to me in age, we love playing together outside and doing things together outside. <clears throat> and the sound of Bob's voice calling us to our chores was withering in the disappointment that it brought. In those carefree moments, it seemed so unjust and unreasonable that we would actually be expected to rise up from our leisure and go and do things that contributed to the greater good of the family. Can you imagine how ridiculous that must have felt? Some of you are young enough, you're still living that. And it may, be, it may not be like that. It may be like something else. Some rule they give you, some, something they tell you to do, some something they tell you not to do. And you don't want to do it. I understand that. There's a part of that feeling about you that's never going to change. But those responsibilities to do what you're told, they're not going to get any better. You think when you're grown you get to go do what you want? No, you don't. You just have a different set of people you answer to. You answer to law enforcement. You answer to government. You answer to your spouse. You answer to your boss. And on and on we could go about who all and what all you answer to. You don't get to live wild and free and do all that you want and ignore all the rules. It doesn't work that way. So God holds out over childhood one pivotal lesson that if you learn it, it will bless you for the remainder of your days. And in all of life's changes, in the broad variety of life's seasons, this one centerpiece lesson will never change. Learn to humbly submit to and obey God-assigned authority in your life. And that ultimately defines your relationship with God. When you're at your parents' knee, answering to their call, you're learning how to have a relationship with God in humble submission. Such is the childhood season of life. <clears throat> there comes a point where the rules change and the expectations grow. The reason I'm not going to give you a specific age when this happens is because I'm not aware of a Bible passage that nails that down for us. So instead, I'm going to speak as the Bible speaks in generalities about the fact that you reach a point where God begins to hold you accountable. And some of you that are young enough that you've not yet obeyed the gospel, you need to dial into this and think about this. Because there's going to come a point in your life that God begins to hold you accountable. That God looks at you and says, you know what? You know now. You know better. And you have obligations. And you failed in some of them. And that means what used to be innocence is now sin. And just like everybody else, you've got to learn to deal with that sin. And the only way you can is through Jesus Christ. God looked at Israel in Deuteronomy 1 and 39 and said something to them that teaches us today. He said, moreover, your little ones, which you said should be a prey, and your children, which in that day had no knowledge between good and evil, <clears throat> they shall go in thither, and unto them will I give it, and they shall possess it. Talking about the land of Canaan. But notice what he said about their youth. He said, they don't know right from wrong. They have no knowledge between good and evil. And so what God is telling them is at this point 
in the lifetime of their little ones, he didn't hold them responsible for their sin or their mistakes or whatever because they didn't know good from evil. But the generation to which he spoke had come to a point in life where they did know good from evil. They did know right from wrong, and God was holding them accountable. So you've got to look at yourself, and you better take serious inventory and ask yourself, am I at that point where God now sees me as accountable? In Romans 7 and verse 9, the apostle Paul wrote about this concept when he said, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Now let's think about what Paul is teaching us here. He's talking about his accountability to God, his answerability to the law of God that he labored under in his youth. Well, that would have been Moses' law and the Ten Commandments. And he said, there was a time in my life that I was alive without the law And then the commandment came and sin revived and I died. So was he saying that there was a point that he was playing along blissfully unaware in childhood and everything's great? And then all of a sudden this hand came down poking through the clouds and handed him a copy of the Ten Commandments and said, here it is, you're guilty now. Obviously that's not what he's saying. He's talking about what Deuteronomy 1 and 39 talks about. There was a time that he was one of those little ones. that He had no knowledge of good and evil. So in that sense, he was without the law. Moses' law had been given hundreds of years earlier. He just didn't understand it and know right from wrong. So God didn't hold him accountable. But once he reached the point that God said, that guy knows right from wrong, he understands. He knows better. That's when the commandment came and that's when sin awakened in his heart. Oh, he'd broken the rules before in some way or another. Little babies do that. Little toddlers do that. They break the rules. But with a limited understanding of right and wrong, God doesn't hold them accountable. But Paul says with these words, there comes a time in life that the commandment awakens within you, and when that commandment awakens within you and God sees you as a responsible, answerable individual that knows right from wrong, he says, you have sin now. Whatever it is that you've done that's wrong, you're now accountable for it. And God has the answer. That answer is in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. God's answer is, to this moment of accountability in your life. I can't put it on the calendar for you. I'm sorry. I wish I could. But I know the answer to it, and the answer is start following God when you're young. Don't dawdle around and wait for forever before you become a Christian. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until your accountability deepens. And with growing age comes growing temptations and you begin to sample more of life's savory fruits and before long you've built ungodly habits that you might spend the rest of your lifetime a slave to or if you come to your senses and become a Christian you'll spend the rest of your lifetime fighting those old habits you built in your youth. I I will promise you you have friends here at church that are many years your senior that can tell you about that. You do not want 
to do foolish things in your youth and build ungodly habits that you'll have to fight later in life and make it harder and harder and harder to make the decision that God says you need to make in your youth. Remember your creator. So you look at yourself with rigorous honesty and you ask yourself, do I know right from wrong? Does God hold me accountable? And if you're there, you need a savior. Start while you're young. And while you're young, build good habits. While you're young, it's still going to be a two-fisted fight from now to the grave. It's not always easy, but you can make it easier on yourself by echoing the principle that we learned for that early childhood, and that is just learn to be obedient. Learn to do as God has instructed. Remember your creator. So from that time of accountability, you move further into the years that we just loosely refer to as youth. And Paul spoke to Timothy of those years when he said, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So he said, Timothy, I know you're young, but I expect you to set an example. Now look, you don't have everything figured out at this stage of life. And some of you are now at that stage. You've far moved beyond just being accountable and you're starting to advance in life, but you're still young. And in some ways you see yourself as an adult. In some ways you might recognize that there are adult things you're, you're not having to do quite yet. <clears throat> but wherever precisely you are at that point, there's a commonality in here. God has expectations of you, and those expectations are growing. I want you to soak that in. God's expectations of you are growing. He expects more. So learn to do more. In 2 Timothy 2 and 22, he has said, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. There's some passions in life that are more common and characteristic of the youth than they are as you get older. As you get older, you know, your desires change and things change and things that used to sound like fun sound like a nightmare and what used to be a punishment is now your life goals of going to bed early and not going out and having to do stuff and all that. You know, things change. But there are desires that are especially common and characteristic of your youth. And God doesn't look at you and pat you on your precious head and say, well, poor baby, I know it's hard. I guess you got to sow your wild oats. That's the world. God looks and says, I expect you to have mastery of your passions. I expect you to learn to control yourself. Now, that sounds kind of hardcore. But at the end of the day, it's really not that different than when you were three years old and mama said, get up and go do this and don't go do that. It boils down to that single, simple, core lesson. Learn to submit to and obey a God-given authority. Life is more complicated. New challenges are breaking on your view. Things are not as simple as they once were. I remember with clarity waiting for my older brother to get in from that nasty place they called school. And I was still at home. 
and I had chores and responsibilities and an unreasonable mother that caused me the house for chores and all that stuff. But it was so easy. I have things waiting on me at home, and you do too. Since those simple days, things have gotten way more complicated. And with those growing complications come growing freedoms and possibilities and knowledge and understanding. And with all of that comes growing obligations before God. Because he expects us to meet and stand up to these changing seasons. But the answer is still as simple as it was back when I was waiting at the door for Mike to get off the bus. Do what the God-assigned authority tells you to do. Then you move into early adulthood. I know not everybody gets married. And we understand the scriptures speak of those who choose to remain single in their service to Christ. And that is a valid and godly choice should it be that you are equipped to make that choice. Some of us are a little more high maintenance and need some help. And so for the average person, the normal course of life finds us getting married. He talks about that in Genesis 2, verse 21 through 24. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, <clears throat> he made a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So the Lord knocks him out, and he makes the perfect helper for him. And Adam comes to and looks at her and says, Whoa, man. <laughs> and she's been called woman ever since. And his life changed. You think things were complicated before. She don't make any sense. But you got to have her. And so there's a whole new set of challenges. My wife and I went about this methodically. We started out with friendship, and we centered that friendship on God. We spent time together studying the Word and going to church and singing songs and talking about God and family, and we really tried to anchor it all, you know, in a God-centered friendship. I'm not telling you we crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's, but we had a strategy and it helped. It made a difference. And as time passed, we deepened our commitment to one another and we segued from that friendship into the, whatever you want to label it, the romance, the commitment that I, the I'll not see others face. Until the time come that I started making budget cuts so I could buy a ring. It wasn't a lot. But neither was my budget, so I did what I could and made preparations to ask her for the big commitment. And we thought about it, and we talked about it, and we prayed about it. And I asked her, and she couldn't say yes fast enough. That's <laughs> how I remember it. And we spent time, you know, phone calls were really expensive back then. We didn't have cell phones, and the landlines were about 25 cents a minute. So we wrote these things called letters. I went down to the local laundromat and I sat there doing my laundry and writing her letters. 
And uh, burn them, guys. If you still have them, burn them because your kids will get into them, okay? You don't want to deal with that. <laughs> we really worked at it. We sought godly counsel. We surrounded ourselves with the right people. And, you know, we got married. And life was great. And I woke up one night in the middle of the night. And I looked over there at her. And I said, who on earth is this woman? I don't even know her. It just really hit me. And we'd been together for a year through the friendship, the dating, the engagement, and all of that. And it just really hit me. I'd, and I've got to lead her. And I don't even know how she thinks. I still don't. I mean, I can kind of anticipate what she's going to say. I just don't understand why. It occurred to me that things got really complicated and there's heavy responsibilities that are bound up in this leave father and mother, cleave to his wife, and be one flesh. Back in the day, standing at the door waiting for the big yellow bus, yeah, dad fixed all the problems then. You don't call dad if you've got any self-respect to fix your problems now. There was one or two times that things got skinny, and I did, and he said, nah, you, you figure it out. That's a good dad because you left father and mother, and sometimes the best love they give you is reminding you that your season of life has changed and your responsibilities just got really, really dicey. But the answer is still the same. Psalms 127 and 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So in that aha moment that, wow, this is really real, and wow, I barely know her, and wow, we've got to make this work, and man, it's gut time check. I've got to be a man here. I've got to lead her. I've got to care for her. She's my responsibility. This is on my shoulders. You go back to God and you submit to the basic divine authority in your life. You seek in the scriptures instructions for the husband and for the wife. And just like you had to do what mom and dad said, when you don't feel like it, you've got to do what this says. Even when you don't feel like it, may I say especially when you don't feel like it. The game has changed. It's way more complicated, but the answer is still just as simple. Do as you are instructed. And you thought things got complicated before until the little one comes along. Ephesians 6 and 4 speaks to fathers, said, You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I thought about being a dad as long as I can remember. And it wasn't because I had a lick of sense, let me assure you. It's because my folks bored that into my brain from my earliest recollections about being a father. Parents, don't just teach your kids to be good kids. Teach them to be good parents. I thought about that for years, read about it for years, prayed about it for years, and the closer the date came to the arrival of our child, the more I obsessed over, I've got to do these things. And I, you know, I planned. I'm a planner. And that was all well and good. Until they rolled her out 
and that bassinet, and I looked down at her, and I put my finger in there like that, and she did that. You'd never be the same. And you think you don't know what to do. But the Lord's telling you, if you'll open his book and do it. It's so much more complicated. If the first female in my family was hard to understand, this was impossible. My eldest loves to recount the times that she was bawling because she's a female. And I'm sitting at her bed pleading, there's got to be something wrong. Just tell me what's wrong and I will fix it. There's not anything wrong. I grew up with brothers. The only cousins I was close to was boys. This was all foreign to me. Things were so much more complicated. You know, every once in a while you daydream about good old Mike and he made so much sense. We just wanted to get dirt caked on us together and try not to hear mom when she was calling us to the house. Oh, we're sorry we didn't hear you. We was on the neighbor's place. I worked late a lot through different seasons in there. Sometimes I was gone in the evening hours, out doing personal work, church work, studies, gone on trips, whatever. There was a lot of times I was away from them. Some of you have had jobs that were demanding and you've had to endure times of being away from your children. I remember having a fleeting hope, well, maybe I'll get home before bedtime. No, you won't. You get home after bedtime. And I'd open that door and I'd stand there and just stare at them. Just like a calf staring at a new gate. What am I going to do? The Bible says there's a roaring lion out there seeking whom he may devour. That's not just everybody else's kids. These two right here are in his sights. He wants them. This is difficult. This is complicated. I've got to stand between my children and the devil. And their success at this stage of life of learning about the nurture and the admonition of the Lord depends on me. This is so much more complicated. But the answer is still so simple. Just turn to the book and teach it to them. I don't mean to say that it's without difficulty or without challenge. I mean to say sometimes in a tizzy of how complicated this all is, we forget the, the level of simplicity there is that we learned when we were little. Just find your God-assigned authority and do what you're told. You're not going to find that leaving the Bible on the shelf, fathers. You're going to have to get it out and dig through it and read and study and learn and turn and teach them. One more story about this season. It was gone so much. The oldest one asked me one time, 
Dad, we missed you. She was probably four, maybe five. We miss you. Why, why weren't you here last night? Well, honey, I was out talking to somebody about Jesus. Well, when are you going to stay home and tell us? Message received. Guys, those obligations out there are real. You better not neglect them. But you have obligations at home that's done fell asleep by the time you get home. I, I don't know how you're going to figure it out. You just better figure it out. Because there's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And your kids are not immune. You've got to stand between your kids and the devil. Then come the middle years, your kids are grown. The nest is empty. And some things that used to be complicated are no longer part of your daily duty, but there's a whole new set of things. 1 Corinthians 13, in a context that's talking about the maturing of the church, uses ordinary human maturing to illustrate how the early church would mature out of the miraculous age into having the Word of God available. He said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, I read this passage to bring out the idea that Paul uses this illustration under the assumption that we'll grow up. He doesn't say, hey, guys, grow up. He just assumes that we will, and he uses that natural progression to illustrate the progressing of the church through its maturing in the first century. And so as I think about that, I come to understand God expects me to just figure it out that I, I've got to grow up. You don't stop maturing when you turn 21. Might be a good idea to increase the speed at which you mature, huh? I mean, challenges are getting more difficult, right? Answers are getting, sometimes they seem more complicated, but in reality it's the same. Ecclesiastes 4 and 13 says, Better is a poor and wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. Don't be that old foolish king who thinks you've got all the answers. Look, we don't even have all the right questions, much less have all the answers. Listen. Learn. Never stop learning. I don't care if you're hearing somebody that's a third your age. Listen. They might bring you something that you hadn't thought of or something you needed reminding of, something that points you back to the basics. You find your God-assigned authority and you humbly submit in obedience. Hebrews 5 describes our obligation to grow like this. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belong to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We reach a point God expects more of us. He expects us to grow. He expects us to mature. He expects us to know more. He expects us to come to the, the difficult answers more readily. He expects us to be able to discern good and evil. And you can't do that if you don't spend time prayerfully in his book, studying obediently to learn his will. You never stop trying to get better. The nest is empty, the kids are gone, things have changed. That brings challenges of its own. Sometimes I think the only thing harder than parenting 
is figuring out how to stop parenting. I don't mean you don't stop being mom and dad, but you cannot do what you did when they were home under your rules and you're paying the bills. You may still impact them and influence them, but it's got to be in a different way, and it takes wisdom to do that. I'll let you know when I get that figured out. That takes growth and maturity, and God expects it till you get to the senior years. Proverbs 16 and 31 puts it very well when he said, The hoary head is a crown of glory. If it be found in the way of righteousness, we think of gray hairs. Well, that's a, you know, that's a trophy. That's a badge. You've lived the years. You've fought the stress. You've survived. You won. God said it doesn't mean anything unless you're found in the way of righteousness. Don't mess up now. Little eyes are watching everything you do and listening to everything you say. And dad, why don't you, has become granddad, why don't you? And they probably admire you more than your kids did because we know the rules. We don't punish them like we did our kids, right? So they, you know, were sometimes a little foul towards us. But the little ones now, the grandkids, it's different. You're from the land of Oz. And what you do is amazing, and they're watching. You better be found in the way of righteousness. I know you're hurting in places you didn't know you had. You ever hear people use that expression? I'm hurting in places I didn't even know I had. You know why they say that? Because they're hurting in places they didn't know they had. There's new pain. There's new sickness. There's new proportion of your conversation you spend talking about your health man how many times have my wife and I said to each other in the last five years I wish we could talk about something besides our health you know you talk about what you got to talk about to get your problem solved don't you but there's still a simple elegantly simple answer be found in the way of righteousness do what your authority says follow God and the little eyes that are watching and the little ears that are listening will have an opportunity to learn. Ecclesiastes 12 and 13 summarizes the whole study. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That sums it all up, whether you're little or whether you're senior years or at any point in between. You seek the will of God and submit to his authority. And the increasing complexity of your problems are still answered at least in their basics with that fundamental pursuit. And with your deepening knowledge of the word of God and deepening wisdom and how to apply it, you'll stumble through. Don't be afraid to ask for help. You got brothers and sisters fighting the same battles. Don't think that that bad feeling you've got is unique. There are others that are hurting just like you are. Don't be shy to reach out. Childhood, accountability, youth, early adulthood, parenthood, middle years, senior years, it's all the same. Do what your authority tells you. 
Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.